أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد وعجل فرجه So we finished the first uh, stage in the book um, of Akhlaq as he puts it Ayatullah Jawadi puts it and we move on to the second stage which I personally believe is actually just part of the first stage to be honest with you um, it is a characteristic I would say of the first stage so the first stage was what? the first stage was Iman and so sometimes Iman is shaky sometimes it is very steadfast and firm so the second stage of Akhlaq according to what the book says is Thabat, it's in Arabic, Thabat, which means to be steadfast, to be Thabit, correct? So he says, he says the second stage of the stages of Sayr and Suluk, of spiritual wayfaring, is Thabat and steadfastness. He says, there's always a possibility that for a person, a person will have, I would call it, a spiritual high, okay, a good feeling. Every now and then we have that, you know, we have that famous hadith by Imam Ali that, "Inna lirabbikum fi ayyam dahrikum lanafahat." So alafa ta'aradu laha. That Imam Ali says, look, there are going to be these breezes of spirituality in your lifetime that your Lord has these for you so whenever that breeze is blowing put your, make yourself subject to that breeze put, your way, put yourself in the way of that breeze in other words make the most of that opportunity sometimes you're just feeling it sometimes you're not feeling it spirituality I don't know certain actions and deeds that you can do so it says when you're feeling it to make the most of it here Ayatollah Jawadi he says look sometimes a person will be in a state where they will be drawn towards this spiritual growth. Yeah, They'll have a turning point in their life and so on. And so they'll make a decision to, wayfa to be one of these wayfarers, to traverse the path. The problem is if they are not steadfast in this decision, in this faith that they have, in this belief that they have, then what's going to happen is there's a good chance that they're going to give up. So this, uh, if a person really wants to be a spiritual wayfarer, their Iman has to also be stable, can't be shaky. And so, Khawaja Nasiruddin al-Tusi, he says in his book, Awsaf al-Ashraf, he says this. He makes a claim first. He says that Thabat is a state in which, has to, this, it's a state of the Iman that a person has, which if you don't have that thabat, that steadfastness, then tranquility will go, tuma'anina will go. And tuma'anina, tranquility, is something that is a condition for perfection. In other words, if you are pursuing perfection through spiritual growth, you have to have a tranquility. Tranquility is the result of thabat and steadfastness. You cannot have tranquility if you have shaky faith in whatever it is. And so then he breaks it down like this. He says, مَنْ كَانَ مُتَزَلْزِلًا فِي اعْتِقَادِ كَمَالٍ لَا يَكُونُ طَالِبًا لَهُ 
This is important. He says, whoever is shaky, when it comes to their belief that they have towards a perfection, a kamal, if they're shaky in it, لا يكون طالبا له. They will never pursue it. Especially if it's something hard. Look, if anything in life, if we're not sure it's out there, we're not going to get up to pursue it. Unless we're 100% sure. Especially if it's something that's far-fetched, that's hard to reach. Right? If it's hard to reach, think about it. You Let's say that somebody's, I don't know, like 40 pounds overweight. They want to lose that. And someone tells them, I have a special diet. It goes like this. It goes like that. But I guarantee that you will lose all that extra weight if you do this diet. But when the person looks at the diet, it's super hard. And everyone else is telling them, we've tried this, it doesn't. It probably is not going to work. This person is not going to do it. <laughs> yeah, because it's a, hard, it's a hard path to take and they're not sure about the results. Now, flip the equation here. What if the path is very hard, but I know 110% it yields results? A lot of people will take that route, will take that path no matter how hard it is, because they want that reward eventually. So here, this is, this is the important part, is that it's all about, it all goes back to how shaky my belief is in something. Alright, so here it says, whoever is shaky in their belief in a kamal, well, all the greatest kamal is what? Is Allah Himself, correct? Then I'm not going to go after Him. So that faith has to not be shaky. And He says, for the faith to not be shaky, we have to have a Al-jazm, we have to have conviction and yaqeen in that kamil thing, that perfect thing out there, which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or the kamal that we're after, the perfection we're after. Okay, so you can't be shaky. In order to not be shaky, you have to have jazm, which is conviction. How do I have conviction? He says azm. You have to have azm, which is resolve. So it all goes back to these things. And if you don't have that resolve, then you're not going to traverse the path. Just as how it is. And he's right. So the shakiness affects everything. Shakiness in belief. Alright, so let's go back now. now. The context I'm getting, the vibe I'm getting here, is that not necessarily conviction in Allah and His existence, but conviction in uh, that I have to take this path to get to Him. I don't know. I, I get mixed messages here and signals from the book. Is he talking about figuring out or me having conviction in the fact that I have to traverse this path? Or no, conviction in God's existence to begin with. Because we were talking about Iman before this, Iman in Allah. Because as he goes on, he makes it more about having Yaqeen in the path that I have to take. I guess it's both. Allah and the path to Allah. I guess you can say it's both. Everything that has to do with me and the path, I have to have conviction in it. Alright, that's why he makes his way into this little side note here. He says, look, the believers, they have that famous dua. What's that famous dua? When they're going to fight the mushrikeen. رَبَّنَا أَفْرِغْ عَلَيْنَا صَبْرًا وَثَبِّتْ أَقْدَامَنَا وَانْصُرْنَا عَلَى الْقَوْمِ الْكَافِرِينَ Which means what? Which means, oh Allah, uh, bestow upon us patience. Right? And thabbit aqdamana. Thabbit aqdamana means make our feet steadfast and firm, right? So we don't shake and run away from the battlefield. Mansurna and aid us and help us so that we are victorious over al-qawmil kafirin, those who are enemies of Allah. Okay. He says, why do we have to have conviction? 
well, even in this smaller struggle, they call it Al-Asghar. We're doing dua for our feet not to shake. But did you know, he says, that lots of times when it comes to the minor struggle, yes, fighting the mushrikeen, there, are a lot, there will be times where we're at peace with them. There is no need for any struggle, any fighting. He says, so here, there's no need for our feet to be firm. It's just not applicable anymore. Correct? Then he says, what about Al-Jihad Al-Akbar, the great struggle? He says, Do we, are we ever going to be at peace with shaitan? No. Are we going to be at peace ever with our nafs? No. That's the whole point of us being here. And so, I want to say this, that when he says we have to have conviction, and then he's using these examples now, it shows, it just shows, what he means by having that thabat and steadfastness, it's not just about God's existence. It's about everything we're doing to get to God as well. All of it, we have to have that thabat in, that yaqeen in. Yes. He goes on now. He makes another point as well. He says, he says that, look, it can't even be that sometimes we're strong and we have conviction, sometimes we're weak. It has to all be there. It has to, thabat means that it's always steadfast. Why? Let me read off of it. He says, if a person is shaky in their iman, true, sometimes their iman will be strong, but sometimes it'll be weak. Then it'll be like this verse. It says, It's like that It's like that person who the shayateen, they are pulling at him in every direction, and this person just bewildered. Why? Because if you mix firmness with shakiness, there's a saying that goes, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. Alright? So true that there is some there is some strength in the iman. But when that weakness is there, it's going to cause problems. When the shakiness, shakiness is there, it's going to cause problems. So that's what we have to be careful about. He gives This is his example now. He says, he says a mix of haqq and batil is going to be batil. Yes? The example he gives is, think about a nice painting. Yes? A nice drawing of a person, for example. You have a nice drawing of a person. Their right side, you've drawn it so nicely, everything proportionate, everything symmetrical, perfect, right? But then the left side of them is like totally messed up. Can, now, can I now say, oh, people, like this is a nice painting because half of it is good. No, that's not how it works. It's, it's ugly. Yeah. Remember Two-Face and Batman? <laughs> so that's not how it works, he says. And so you have to get rid of all of this, this extra, uh, you know, uh, these extra additives that we have of batil. Get rid of that. Now, the problem is, unfortunately, Ayatollah Jawadi here, Khawaja Nasruddin and Awsaf al-Ashraf, none of them explain how are we supposed to get rid of that. How do I make sure that this iman that I have in Allah, that iman that I have in the path, and all of that, how, how can I make sure that I am steadfast in it? How do I do that? They don't say it, unfortunately. And so I guess we have to get creative here a little bit. For this steadfastness, I guess we can say we have to look around and see those who've made it, you know, what their lives look like. Ayatollah Hassan Zadda just passed away. 
Are you kidding me? Like all you need to do, you listen to like a clip of his, him talking about the path. And you're just like, all right, if there was any little bit of doubt that, you know, is this the path? Is this not the path? I'm seeing the results in this person. When he speaks, you can tell he's speaking while he's connected to some reality, right? It's beautiful. There's so many of these little clips of him. I mean, he wasn't out there the way others are out there. There's so many little clips of him here and there that you listen to and you're just like, first of all, you're like, I wish the people understood Farsi, right? To understand what he's saying. I mean, you can put subtitles, but it never does the job. But still, I mean, subtitles are better than nothing. The point I'm trying to make is maybe this is one of the ways to become steadfast. After I've done all the philosophical, theological work, studying, reading up on things, asking questions about God, about the path, reading Quran, maybe to become steadfast, you know, you just have to add that motivation by seeing what these other greats did, seeing what they say, reading what they say, number one. Number two though, something that I've always said and I'm always saying because the greats are always saying it, is that look, we have to understand, even if you have 110% conviction in the path, in Allah, in all of that, if you're not living up to what you know, you will even doubt that much. Right? This is so important that you reinforce your belief with action. If you don't, you won't believe in it anymore. That the fate and the end and the ending of those who they did bad deeds is what? They denied Allah's signs. So I thought it's the other way around. I don't believe in God, so I do bad things. Well, that might be the case too, but there will be cases where, according to this verse, you do evil acts. What happens? You become one of the kuffar as a result. It slowly eats away at your belief. And this we see this in everyday life too. I mean, you will not believe in something if you're not acting up, if you're not living up to it yourself. Eventually, you're not going to believe it anymore. And you've heard this, this example I've given um, again and again. Some of you at least have heard this example of Mullah, what's his name? Mullah Nasruddin. That story that I've shared again and again, not in this class but elsewhere, that action reinforces belief. In, in Both negatively and positively it affects it. The story goes like this for those of you who haven't heard it yet from me. That Mullah Nasruddin, he's he, he, you know, he has, there's fables, uh, he's a, he's a fictional character in Islamic folklore and uh, not Islamic, I said Persian folk folklore and so um, he's just a wise guy who does wise things but in a funny, weird, dumb way sometimes but the, 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 the lessons you get from them are important lessons so it says that one time he called out to everybody he made up a rumor, he's like hey people they're giving free food somewhere you heard this story? no? okay so they're giving free food somewhere and everyone runs in that direction. One person, two people, ten people, twenty people. Right? After a while he says, Nakune Vogaan. After like a hundred people run in that direction, he's like, Whoa, wait a minute, what if they are actually giving free food there? So he made the he made the rumor up himself. But you see how much practice and action has an effect that even he himself believes that, oh maybe and so he goes himself as well. Right? So if a person believes in Allah, but every day they're sinning against Allah, practically they're telling their soul, God doesn't exist. 
And that's why this taqwa is so important. This wajib and haram that Allah has sprinkled out throughout our lives, throughout the days of our lives, is so important. It's because every wajib that I do, I am reinforcing the belief that He exists. Every single one of them. Who, like these bodybuilders, they don't miss workouts. They'll divorce their wife, but they won't miss a workout. Right? They'll break up with their uh, partner, but they won't miss a workout. Why? Because they know every single workout counts. You fall behind if you miss a workout. That's how it is with this stuff. You know, I've said this again and again. It's not about not going to Jahannam or going to Jannah. These urafa, they look at it. Every, every one of these wajib and harams that comes up for them is an opportunity to reinforce. And so, here when he says, we need to make it steadfast, we, may, we need to make it firm and strong and all of that, that's true. How? Tell us. They don't say it. Well, it looks like we got to get creative by fixing our environment. Who are we hanging out with? Who do we look up to? Who do we read up on? And so on and so forth. But all in all, it all goes back to how much are we acting on what we know. That's the most important, I would say. Or else, yes, the iman will slowly deteriorate. So that is a thabat. Second stage, he says. I, I personally believe that it's kind of part of the first one. The next one, stage number three, an intention. Talks that about, he talks about that a little bit. He says, even if an individual is steadfast, so they have iman, that iman is not shaky, it is steadfast, if they don't have in the proper intention, or their action doesn't have intention, then that's going to be a problem as well. It's not going to do them any good, at the, to say the least. He says that niyyah, an intention, is like the soul and the amal is the body. At the end of the day, we need both, of course. Like to get to our destination, we need a car, we need the gas. For stuff to happen, a person has to have a soul in them or else they're just a piece of meat. Correct? Alright, so we need both. Both are important. But in the end, you know, the life of everything, that which gives life, is the intention, he says. And to illustrate this point, he, he, he brings some examples, which is nice. I like this. He says, look, if you have an action, out of three possibilities and given scenarios, okay, or let's say four, one of them will only yield results. The other three won't, although there is action in them. Okay? Now, let me just share with you what, what he says. He says, look, the action that I'm doing, if it's a wajib action, let's say. We have two types of wajib actions. Tawassuli, it's called, with a sad, And ta'abbudi. Okay? Tawassuli, with a sad, is those wajib actions that are done to achieve something that is wajib. For example, and they don't require qastul qurba. They don't have to be done qurbatan ilallah. For example, I owe somebody money. And when I want to pay them back, do I have to have qastul qurba, an intention of qurbatan illallah when I'm giving it back for it to count? Right? That guy, once he gets his money from me, I can't be like, oh wait, I didn't have the right intention. Give it back to him. He'd be like, bro, I'm out of here. Adafis. I don't even know you no more. Right? Because 
All I needed to get was the money, which I, I wasn't sure I was going to get. But now that I got it, I don't care about your qastul qurba. All right? I'm out of here. So these are called wajibat that are tawassuli. They're there so that something is accomplished and you don't have to necessarily have the right intention for it. As long as you paid that person back, you're good. Islamically, you're done. Here, there is no niyyah. Now, sometimes you can have a qastul qurba along with it. That's a bonus. And so... That will also be an ibadah for you. But he says this, he says, look, in these cases we have amal, we don't have intention. It counted, but it's not going to help us spiritually in any way. Okay? The only thing it'll do for us probably is that we're not going to be punished on the Day of Judgment for not paying somebody back. He says, look, we also have another case where if you have a ta'abudi act, ta'abudi means those things that are worship, those things that you have to have qastul qurba or else it won't count. He says, if you do salat without, the, without that intention, it won't even count. As a matter of fact, you will be punished on the Day of Judgment because you didn't even perform the act. Because one of the conditions of it, one of the parts of it was, was what? Qastul qurba. So here we also have an act or an action without the, without the intention. Not only will it not help me, but because the act is not complete, I'm held responsible. I can be held responsible on the Day of Judgment. Because I didn't have intention. Intention was part of the amal. So I have, I have, a, I have something. It's like a body, but with no soul. So the first case wasn't going to help me. Second case, I have a, something. It's going to even get me into pr- trouble because it doesn't, because I didn't do it properly, and Allah expects it to be done properly. Sometimes He says, "Yes." The third one, the third example is if you don't do anything and you don't have any intention. Like that's nothing also. There's nothing going on here. No body, no soul at all. Then the fourth one, to show how important the niyyah is. Sometimes I don't have the action, but I have the intention for the action. Right? I was going to do something, I just didn't get the chance to. Ya laytana kunna ma'akum fanafuza ma'akum or fanafuza fawzan alima. We wish we were with you in Karbala so that we also reach felicity. Hmm? Or like in Jabir ibn Abdullah, he says this in Arba'in, and that uh, famous story, he tells Atiyah al-Awfi, after he goes, he does the ziyarah of Imam Hussein and all of that, what does he tell him? He tells him that we are with them, inshallah, in Jannah, something along those lines. He says, but we weren't with them fighting. He says, yes, but our hearts were with them, we had the intention, things like that. All right. Anyway, brothers, sisters, like, do we have an amal here? No. Do we have a jasad, a body here? No. But because there's a soul here, it counts. You see the point he makes, how he makes it? It's very nice. To prove the point that this is the soul of it. Why? Because the niyyah, if it's there, even if the amal is not there, it counts still. Wow. So it shows that this is the actual ingredient. This is the actual life of what we're doing. And then he makes his way into a discussion after saying all of that. He makes his way into a discussion that look, these are a spiritual sustenance by Allah. A spiritual blessing from Allah. This niyyah, this intention, having that with everything, this is something that Allah has to bless us with. And then he kind of goes a little bit on a tangent here, talking about the different spiritual blessings that Allah gives sometimes. He, he talks about a hadith. It was interesting. I liked it. Uh, 
that they come to the imams, they tell the imams, why is it that the scholars, those who are who have khirad, what's khirad in English, um, that have knowledge or they have wisdom and they have whatever, things like that, why is it that they usually are not enjoying wealth? They don't have wealth too much. They're, they're in bad shape lots of times. Why hasn't Allah given them sustenance as much? You look what the Imam says here. The Imam can try to answer by saying, well, you know, they're not after this, they're after knowledge and all that kind of stuff. But you look what he, the Imam says. The, the, the answer says, the answer says, but isn't knowledge itself a rizq? Isn't knowledge itself something that Allah has to bless us with? And so Allah has divided divided these things and distributed them in a certain way. Yes, usually immense knowledge, yeah, not normal knowledge, but immense knowledge will require a sacrifice of wealth. You won't have time to, you know, chase wealth too much anymore. And so yeah, you'll see a lot of the scholars, yeah, they're they're living very normal lives. The more knowledge they're after, the less they have time for other things. So anyway, I mean, once again, I'm reminded of Ayatollah Hassan Zada Amuli. Like, if you'd seen this person's house, my friends tell me they would go ring his doorbell. Um, it's not a doorbell like we have in here in America. There, what do they call it? Uh, huh? The, yeah, it's like a buzzer thingy. So it's just like you ring that buzzer, and you know they pick up that phone that the buzzer is connected to, or the little handset, headset, whatever it is. Who is it? All the homes have this in Iran. Who is it? So my friends would tell me we would go. And we would ring his door or knock on his door. He says, Who is it? We would say, We're here. We're here to kiss your hand. And he would say, Get out of here. Like, just hang up. <laughs> if you see his house, it's a very humble house, right? Because, I mean, you can't just become an alama, but at the same time be some like Elon Musk or something. It just doesn't work like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> so it's really nice, you know? Not that he will say it in a bad way necessarily, but he's like, get out of here, like wasting my time, wasting your time. Like, what are you going to get out of kissing my hand? As a matter of fact, I tried to kiss his hand once. And so, like, he would do this thing where he would give his hand, and you're like, oh, he gave me his hand. So you go down and kiss it, he would pull it, and he'd have a little fun with that. <laughs> these, they're not interested in these things. But anyway, anyway, let's not go off track too much. Um, I'm going to end with this because it's almost a lot of time. Yes, brother. Yeah. I think every action has some intention regardless. The same example you gave for returning the loan, for example. Mm -hmm. If I owe you something and I use the money and I don't tell you it's a loan, should be for something else. So intention is there, right? Yeah, the intention of paying back the loan is there. So let me explain this better, okay? Tavassuli and ta very good question. As a matter of fact, it crossed my mind. Should I emphasize this? I was like, no, forget it. But you brought this up. So, the main difference between tawassuli and ta'abudi is that in tawassuli, it is not a condition for it to count, for it to count, for you to have qasd qurbatan ilallah. Or else, yeah, everything we do, we have an intention, yeah? Yeah, why'd you put the money on the table? Well, I put it there so the guy picks it up and takes it as, you know, me giving back, paying them back, you know? Yeah, everything we do has an intention. The difference between these two is, yeah, qastul qurba is not a condition versus those which qastul qurba is a condition. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, so he mentions this hadith here and then he just explains a little bit. Ayatullah Jawadi here, he explains a little bit. I'll just read off of this and then we will end. 
He says, Those who are wealthy who don't have knowledge, if they knew the value of knowledge, it would affect them. And the fact that it doesn't really bother them that they don't have that knowledge or that wisdom shows that they don't know how great a blessing knowledge and wisdom is. Okay? This question that they ask the Ahl bayt it shows that they don't see it as such. And so he's and then he goes into this paragraph here, this next paragraph. It's very interesting because you can tell he's saying this. He's not making a point though that I'm like this, but you can tell this applies to himself as well, Ayatullah Jawadi, because he starts speaking about the pleasure of knowledge, right? The pleasure of th this blessing that some people don't have versus, he talks about how, okay, the physical pleasures, the material pleasures, they are really moment, they're, they're for a moment. And after that it's over, really it's over, he says, and he's right. But then he talks about how knowledge works. He explains how the the the, the for that and the pleasure for that really persists; it doesn't end. And so, he says all of this to make the point that look, niyyah is also one of those things. It's in the it's on it's in, it's the same genre of those spiritual blessings that Allah has to bless us with. Yeah, it can reach a point, inshallah, that even with the tawassuli wajibat that we do. Or even the mubah actions that we do that are not makruh mustab, just walking. Even that, we've all heard this, we can even turn those into ibadah with our niyyah. Here he's talking about niyyah in general. Yes, later on we'll have a chapter on ikhlas, which there he's going to talk about more seriously about how this niyyah has to probably be. Here in general, he's just talking about niyyah versus lack of niyyah, it seems. Yeah, and how this is the soul and that the body is the action. And that's how important it is. It's so important that without it, it's a lifeless body. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. I promise I was going to end anyway. So. <laughs>